0: This is B2B Marketing Methods. I'm your host, Terry Hoffman, and I'm the CEO of Marketing Refresh. Let's face it, embracing digital marketing is daunting. This podcast was created to make it more approachable. Join us as we talk to CEOs, sales leaders, and revenue growth experts who will share lessons learned and tips from their own journeys. Okay, welcome to B2B Marketing Methods. Um, today we are really happy to have as our guest, Philip Parker. Philip is the managing director of Holland Parker and Philip, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it, Terry. Uh, Thank you for having me on y'all's podcast and happy to be here. Awesome.
0: Um, well, why don't we start with introductions, basic introductions. Tell me about Holland Parker and how you started the business.
1: So Holland Parker, I started Holland Parker in 2012. Um, I've been a career consultant and working with technology uh, for the past 25 years in various capacities, whether it was implementing CRM systems or running network cable or just had always had a passion for technology and happened to be able to build a career off of implementing finance and accounting software. And so in 2012, I embarked upon starting Apollo Parker and been in business for 12 years and hopefully will be in business for the next... 20 or 30 years. I
0: I definitely feel that one. So tell me what Holland Parker specializes in.
1: We're known for, um, implementing software, um, for large mid sized to large, uh, companies, um, in the finance and accounting space. So Mm -hmm. we hope that we, uh, enable finance and accounting users to not only report their financials, but to also analyze their financials and make better decisions as they're trying to make decisions about their business.
0: You guys work with a lot of companies that even have several subsidiaries, isn't that right? When they have to kind of figure out how to accumulate that data.
1: Right. So, so mm-hmm. I always, uh, you know, when you think about the the products that we consume, you know, we work for a lot of companies that you would never know what products they may manufacture or whatnot, but we work with a lot of companies that are household names or up on the billboard and whatnot, and a lot of times underneath it, you really don't understand or you don't see not understand but don't see what the how those companies are are uh, actually built from the um, from a corporate structure and so they may have manufacturing facilities all over the world, they may have their corporate offices in two or three different cities um, they may do heavy acquisitions where they or divestitures where they acquire companies that have um, I have a totally different currency, totally different accounting methods that they're all trying to bring that data together. And again, not, not just to make high, like high level financial reporting and understand how much money they're making or how many, how much, uh, what their expenses may be, but also down to the transaction level, when a transaction is made, when an invoice is actually generated and how that affects the business.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're in a pretty competitive market against, um, really big names, right? Uh, a lot of your top competitors are very well known. What used to be called the big six, uh, right. Consulting firms. So how, how do you look at competing in your market and you know, how you differentiate Holland Parker in your field?
1: Good question. Um, you know, typically from a standpoint of competing with the big six or big four or very large consulting firms, um a lot of it is is our customer service and how we how we interact with our customers and build relationships with our customers and i'm not saying that those companies don't do that uh but they you know it's again they're there to um not only maybe work on uh something that we're in our similar space but they also do a very a vast variety of things and we specialize in implementing this types of software so i mentioned that you know of our job is tech technology, and we're very good at that 20%, but it's also 80% on building that relationship and, what I like to say, making our customer uh, experts in the technology that we're implementing. So, but and and it's not just with those, our competitive competitive landscape uh, gets very competitive as software starts growing in the market, right? The name starts building. And so, um, when that happens, uh, we also look at how do we differentiate by firms that are our size or um, or a little bit larger than us. And a lot of it is, again, how we build our relationships and our dedication to making sure our clients are not just successful, but that they can, it actually transforms how they're um, analyzing their data or working with their financials and hopefully making their lives a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think those are important differentiators. So differentiation in the context of marketing is an important, you know, a, an important area of marketing because it leads to your messaging and how you're positioning yourself in the market. So right. maybe you could talk, you know, we've, I think we have worked with your company for probably the last four to five years, um, at least somewhere in that neighborhood of time. Yeah, And you guys have gone through a couple of different, a couple of different journeys I don't necessarily want to ask you like how that has evolved specifically, but maybe more generally how you have approached that and viewed it and how you viewed your positioning in the market into your marketing programs.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I think a big, I like to do a, from a, a, a broader sense of marketing, I like to do things differently than what my competitors are doing or what they're thinking about doing. And sometimes that that it works and sometimes it doesn't work, and and that willingness to retry things. I think that working with Marketing Refresh yourself as well as your team has been something that has been welcomed over the past four or five years that we've worked together and the different refreshes that we've done, whether it's through our LinkedIn profiles, our LinkedIn advertising, all the way to our websites, our material, having a, a consistent brand message and how that's evolving over years, but constantly tweaking and tuning that and reacting to the market, but also doing things that maybe the market's not saying, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying, but, but maybe the market hasn't, uh, hasn't gravitated towards, you know, and, and, trying new avenues. And I think that candidly the doing podcasts like these and things like that, you know, I think seems like they're becoming more and more business to business focus instead of just consumer focus. And um, that's why I enjoy being on this podcast today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it gives people a really great further experience and like understanding how you think and how you operate and how you communicate um, being on a podcast. And I've I have always appreciated that you've been open to new ideas, you know, just because um, in the context of our relationship between our businesses, you know, we don't expect people to do every single thing that we recommend, but we love challenging the situation and just getting people to think differently, so that that's they can continue to differentiate and stay ahead, right? You know, of, of the rest of the market, and I think that's been kind of a a, a mutually valued part of our relationship working together.
1: It's al- sure. also nice. Well, yeah. just to say, it's also nice that both of us are going, you know, somewhat going to the same same um, journey, right? As you started yeah. up marketing refresh as well, and have grown through that, and, and um, so we can share ideas around that as well.
0: Right. Yeah, that's an important part of a of a partnership is, you know, you have to you have to listen to each other and try to understand how you can marry together what your level of expertise is with where that company needs to meet you. Right. And how the that I my team kind of gets tired of me using this analogy cuz I always show like this is what our clients know, this is what we know and we have to figure out how to fuse them right. together and it's not always easy, right? Especially if you um, don't communicate using the same style. You don't communicate using the same methods. Um, you know, it's all about finding that fit.
1: Right.
0: Yep. Yeah. So what what are things that you would say, um, you know, in building both your business development side of the business and the marketing part of the business, what are some like qualities or things that have been important to you as that has evolved over the years? Like what what are the things that that you're looking for? Out of those functions and roles let's say for example the the internal marketing role that that you have and have had at different points in the company history what 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 are the things that have been important to you Ah. that you're looking for in that role yeah and it could be an inside position or an outside position
1: i think it started off early like and just in our starting the relationship was being more consistent with their marketing, making sure everybody internally is on the same page, and mm-hmm. and Holland Holland Parker uh, as a company, um, when I started it, uh, I, I chose the color orange uh, for various reasons. We don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but um, I'm very particular about the orange, and there's things that y'all have done for me as well as things on internally that um, we you know we we maybe first round didn't get it. So like, uh, for instance, maybe a marketing item like a koozie or something like that, where it's not the right, you know, it's just not the right orange and I want it. And you are know, very nice to, Oh, you know, okay. Fi- Philip, we'll find one that matches something closer. But my point is, is, is that I get a lot of, of, uh, uh, internal feedback about my particularness around the color used in our documents and our logos and our, our branding and whatnot. So one being consistent, but then two is the outreach. So, as a software implementation company, it's very important that we not only market to our customers, but we also are marketing uh, for the software implementation companies as well. And those messages can be totally a little, or not totally different, but uh, quite different, right? And how we go about it, how we market, how we um, how we co-brand things and things. And so I think the outreach is I'm always looking for ways to promote it as a business, not as a as a uh, consumer good would be promoted and, and finding those avenues, right? Um, right. And and what's going to be receptive to uh, clients because just putting our name up on a billboard is not the way we sell uh, our type of work, right?
0: Right, yeah. You have a very known market right, and a very specific type of um, com- company that you're going to work with. I think another area that I've seen as a challenge with Holland Parker you touched on it a little bit but you have various market you have various like target profiles right and some of them directly influence a decision and some of them do not directly influence the final decision but they're part of the overall decision making process you have a lot of personas right who are are involved and how do you how do you find that balance of communicating between them
1: I don't know if we found a balance. I don't know if it's just kind of the shotgun approach, right? And 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 knowing that, um, uh, I say that probably you know we're fine tuning that as we as we grow and as as we um, grow in our marketing space. But is uh, you're right. I mean, it, it it's also folks that don't necessarily are receptive to any type of marketing, right? And so we're trying to find those ways that uh, one we can make. Uh, folks aware of Holland Parker, aware, aware of the work we do, um, but also differentiate us from our competitors as well. And um, I think that it's just using different avenues and different approaches and uh, also soliciting feedback from the clients that we've marketed to and, and uh, the events we put on or the, the other types of marketing that we do to see what the results may be, which is very tough to measure, candidly.
0: No, it is. That's it, I think um probably inadvertently you're even answering an earlier question that I had is you you were looking for accountability, right? right? From from your marketing function and um I want to talk about that a little bit more cuz I think it's it's important unfortunately marketers have definitely built a reputation for just wanting to do fun and creative things and um have these really healthy budgets but um when it comes to accountability there are definitely gaps right, right that that are often revealed so um i'd love to know how you view accountability and kind of what your expectation is again that could be from your internal resources but also from external resources that you work with
1: yeah i think the um, i mean i can use a um a uh, instance that's happened this week with with marketing refresh, if you'd like, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so we have uh, partnered with y'all on a as we're going kind of through our somewhat of a rebranding, I guess, of of Holland Parker, uh, one of those refreshes or cycles that we've gone through many times. And but in the near term, I wanted to be able to promote uh, some of the trainings and things that we do on LinkedIn and how to better promote that and mm-hmm. marketing refresh team, where we met with them this week to talk about how we could promote those through LinkedIn and things like that. So one thing is, is, you know, y'all give me ideas to so like something I could probably just go do myself candidly, you know, and, and because we, I have access to do it. But it, it, every, it was, um, the accountability aspect that, um, I candidly don't know how to go through all the metrics and I don't have the time to go all through all that. So it's kind of the, um, um, time but not time, value, money, but the value of my time, right? Do I really want to learn how to do and become an expert like y'all are in advertising on LinkedIn or work with y'all? Y'all are the experts in it. Sorry, let me, I'll get to the accountability aspect. So what we're really asking for is we know the target market that we want to go after. We know the personas, we know the companies, we know exactly who, you know, target market. And what y'all did, You come back to us and said, Hey, we can do this as an ad campaign, but but here's the big thing about it. We're going to sit here and monitor it and tweak and tune it to make sure that it's not just, you know, a bunch of people clicking on it and we're getting no results from it. Like what are the actual metrics from it? And that type of nurturing is something I, none of us at Holland Parker have time to do, right? We've got a million other things that we're working on. So, so it's things like that. And because, you know, as you mentioned, having, you know as a small business, we we have a marketing budget, but it's not sky's the limit. And so we are looking for uh, um, how did that affect our company overall and affect the messaging as well as potential inbound leads or just branding in general across the market marketplace, right? And um, making, making sure that every dollar is used wisely.
0: Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I mean, do you find that um, reporting is a big part of how we manage a relationship and communicate, do you find value in the reporting and the metrics that you get back? How do you view the value of that information?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what separates y'all from from many other firms that don't provide any reporting and and I've in the past used other firms as well. And and um being able to uh have some sort of output from that and then marry it up to what we're seeing internally uh helps us decide, okay, are we going to spend money, more money there or open it up here or, and how are we going to allocate those resources? So I think some sort of reporting is helpful. Um, the more detailed probably, uh, or the ability to get the detail if necessary is important because if it's just a high level number, like, well, 50 million people hit your website, that's probably a lot, but we'll, we'll shoot for 10,000 <laughs> or something. I don't know. Whatever a no, good number is hundred thousand people. Um, you know, just telling us that it's like, well, okay, what happened from that, right? Well, we saw that they went to this page and they read this for this long. Well, now I, okay, well, let's make more content like that. and Let's push it in this market, things like that. So I think the ability to get the details as well, but to keep it summarized at first, but to be able to drill down into it helps us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just maybe getting some navigation on why certain pieces of that information are important right? and how it's connecting back to your business. I think you know not to make this a commercial for a marketing refresh, but it's I think every agency or marketing department should be monitoring metrics because otherwise it if you're not if you're not keeping track or setting a goal, you're not going to be as focused on reaching that goal right and measuring your progress towards that goal if you don't have that in place. that's um what accountability' is all about so I guess thinking about um kind of going back to Holland Parker, I know that the importance of you being able to grow your consulting practice and finding the consultants who are a really great fit in your company culture is important. What are some of the things that you look for in those consultants that, that you think add to the value and kind of helps differentiate Holland Parker in the market?
1: Um, I mean, I think, uh, as you mentioned, a big piece of it is, is, is our culture, but that, that's, only something i can see once they become or whoever becomes a part of Holland parker right and you know i feel like and i've been doing quite a few interviews in the recently in the past three weeks or so and you know i'm very open about the the challenges around consulting and a lot of people we get resumes that people maybe wanted to come from industry to consulting or uh you know, maybe just coming straight out of, of of college and wanting to get into consulting. And it's a great field. Um, I mean, I love it. I've been in it for uh, quite some time now. But it's, you know, it's it's uh, um, at times high stress, times a lot of hard work and, and long hours. Um, but what I love is that the long hours tend to pay off in shorter hours in the future, right? So a problem that you're facing today, especially in the technical world, it becomes easier in the future once you face it. And you could probably say that, that in, in general with anything would happen, but it's very apparent in the technology world. So what I look for is somebody that's willing to jump into that, knowing that it, uh, you know, the learning curve can be quite steep, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, you know, in my interviews and things, when I talk to people, I try to be candid about my background, where I came from and, and, uh, and is that something you're ready to jump into? And it's not for everybody, you know? And I, not expecting the answer to come up right off the bat. Like, Nope, not for me. Like I'm, I'm not gonna do this, but is just to think twice about it and, you know, be ready for it when you get into it that, um, you know, sometimes it can have a pretty steep learning curve. Um, yeah. it's kind of number one, in my opinion. and, uh, uh, we do spend a, a lot of resources on training our folks, uh, building, uh, having them be a part of our culture. We do all employee meetings, we have holiday parties. And these aren't parties. I mean, when I say holiday party, I guess that probably sounds like, well, everybody's having fun. Well, it's really to get everybody together, see everybody face to face. And I have consultants from New York all the way to California that, you know, may or may not cross paths on, on projects. And it's just a time for them to, to learn more about Holland Parker, learn the way we implement software and and uh, um, as well as some of the other initiatives that we're doing, like strategic services, uh, where we're kind of setting up roadmaps for technology for for clients our training division and train, how we train clients and get in to learn a little bit about that and just taking a little breath bar a breather from doing everyday consulting work.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I know, again, I've watched how you guys have like placed a greater level of importance on culture and making sure that you're finding people who really match that. I. I know how picky you are and (laughs) and I mean that as a compliment because I think it really strengthens the level of the rest of your overall team. right? Right. And, and it really strengthens your brand. And I think that's a, the company culture is part of the, the brand. And then as a marketer, we have to think about how we communicate the value of that company culture as part of your brand. Cause I think it's part of what differentiates your business is you don't at least my experience is like you don't feel like you're talking to somebody who's just given you a lot of consulting speak, right? Your employees are talking in like right. they understand their business. They understand the technology and how it should be applied, but you feel like you're talking to an actually person. You're right. Not and that, like a bunch of jargon and speak.
1: Right. And that that's yeah. a big component of that. It's it, interesting against I've been doing quite a few in the past couple of weeks is it's come up a couple of times is the use of our website for that. So, you know, my, my siloed mind would say, well, we built a website for potential prospects or customers to look at, which is, that's great. But they all, a lot of times, I mean, we're in a information world. They go to the website, they look at it. And a cu- couple of the key places that they look at is our, our giving back and our, because that's a real big piece of, piece of our organization, but also that we're experts at what we do. And mm-hmm. so when you hit that, that hit nail on the head, right. Is <laughs> is, um, that they see that, right? And you can, and it comes off very easily from the website. And you don't know, have to dig 18 different levels to figure that out, you know? And I think in talking with y'all, and, and again, I think, as you mentioned, like if I was talking to any other firm, it's like that's what I wanted to make as prominent as possible because that's part of our core values, right? And so much so, actually, yep. this year I made it. Um, we um, we did a, um, um, a uh, charity event during our holiday party in the morning before it. And um, and I, I was like, well, I'll just invite the Houston people because we're based in Houston. And then I was like, you know what? This is part of our our culture. Like, why not? And I flew everybody in for it, even though that meant they had to fly in the night before and we had extra hotel costs, et cetera. But I, wanna, I thought it was very important to have everybody there if it's going to be the center of our culture, you know?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think what you're touching on right now is something that I see a lot, particularly in the B2B space, is that you miss opportunities in your marketing programs to emphasize things about your company that people would never know unless they had a pretty deep partnership or relationship with you. Yeah. Right. I think you, it's, it's kind of a common misstep that you make it too hard for people to find those things out about you a, as a brand and as a business. And you don't, um, well, I just know you personally, so know you're not doing the community stuff to, like pat yourself on the back you're doing it because you actually care right and you're doing it for genuine sincere reasons but i think a lot of times people hold back from putting it out there because they want it to come across with the right tone and the right intent um but it is something that adds to your your company value and your company culture and it's something that i think is important to potential customers that differentiates you and just humanizes everyone there So I I love that you, I love that you include that.
1: um, Yeah. uh, Well, I was going to say it also, it takes some external resources, right? To tell me it's okay to post things or, you know, whatever market, that type of stuff, because it's not inherent to me to want to go and maybe put put that on LinkedIn or put that on some sort of social media platform. Cause I, it kind of, to me, I'm like, I don't, I don't do it for that reason. Just like you said, but you know, y'all give me the nudge or, you know, say it's okay. Like it's, we're going to put it in the right light. Right. And um, that's a, a, a big importance of it as well.
0: It is. And that's like, that's a, um, I'll just call it a sniff test. Like that's kind of a sniff test we have is if uh, somebody came and said, I want to put this out there. Cause I think it'll make us look really good to prospects. That's like a, mm, no, nah, you, you've got the wrong intention. Right. right. But if, if it's, we're doing these great things because they're important to us, then that passes the sniff test right because it's it's sincere and genuine, and then that will come through right. um and i'm I'm only really emphasizing this because there are you know in the market we're in, there can be so a long list of things like this right you It can be about things about your employees that aren't getting emphasized um because you may not realize that that's important in, in an attempt to draw the next employee. Right. Right? Or for clients to see, wow, there's, this is great. Somebody just won an award for being there for 10 years. Right. Um, That shows me this is a great place to work because people want to stay there. Like these things shouldn't be hidden when you're a B2B brand. You should be putting them out there so that it's very obvious and easy for people to learn about your brand. What I'd like to ask is how you view the relationship between marketing and revenue growth or sales, business development, whatever label you want to put on that area. How do you see those two functions really working together? And how, is it, how has it worked for Holland Parker?
1: So I see it as a symbiotic relationship between the two, right? I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's um, the days of being able just to go and knock on somebody's door, make a single phone call and start a sales cycle I'm sure there's somebody that can do it, but but it doesn't work, hasn't worked out that, that great for us. I think it needs to be a combination of both. And I feel like the numbers of touch points are constantly going up. Like, you know, maybe last year or 10 years ago it was seven touch points. Now it's, well, you have to have 15 touch points. Now you have to have 30 touch points. It's like, well, there's no way a human is gonna do and spread that and scale that. So that that's, I think the combining that with a marketing effort I mean, really putting sales and marketing together is um, is kind of meshing them together so they're one. I think is what we we attempt to do. Um, the uh, I think that again we're very strategic on how we merge. I probably spend more budget on that than we do on just general brand, just general branding, like. Military, we want to you know show up in everybody's airport or something like that like it just doesn't you know I wouldn't sales wouldn't really be attached to that it would be some sort of billboard or digital marketing or something like that for at least for us that that wouldn't work right so it, i think there always has to be that component i will say that what we how we do differentiate mark not differentiate but kind of segregate it is there's customer type marketing and then there's prospect and maybe even you know um external hires and things like that that we're going to make as well type of marketing. And, you know, it doesn't, both those avenues don't, some of them overlap, but they don't, there's different things that we do uh, for uh, to market to to those folks. Right. Um, Sometimes when you have a if you have a relationship with folks, there's types of marketing that works better than if you don't have a relationship with somebody. Right. And yeah, uh, now, again, I think the, the, what what you can't measure, or where it's very difficult, it's not you can't measure, it's just different, difficult to measure what exactly caused somebody to maybe have an inbound lead to call you, right, or to email you, or what was that, um, was it through word of mouth? Was it because they saw something? Was it because they went to an event? Was it a, a phone call that they got? And even then, when we make a phone call, like just starting a sales cycle, our sales cycles, and again, maybe, I think every industry is different. They can be from usually twelve to eighteen months. Uh and that's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe six months is but that's not the norm. And that's a long sales cycle. That that's a lot of touch points and making sure that uh we're still reaching out, things like that, and doing it effectively.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that, that ties into a process we worked on with you guys very early in our relationship, which is the buyer's journey. So right. just understanding that people are ready for different types of information at different stages of building a relationship. And there can even be the marketing portion of that journey and then the the sales or business development part of that journey. And I think you guys have always um, been really mindful of making sure that you're presenting the right information at the appropriate time. Because in a long sales cycle, especially, there's a lot of education that has to take place. So if you if you just go in guns blazing and say like, Hey, are you ready for us to come and meet up, meet with you and do an assessment? They might be in a place where they're like, no, we're just beginning to research if we have the right platform in place. Right. And there could be a 12 month process of just going through that software platform selection. Right. Um, right. So there's, there's a lot to that journey that you have to think through.
1: Right. And that, that there's also, there's a lot, um, and just running a business that you can get down on yourself if something doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. Right. And I think we, we, we talk a lot about the plus sides of revenue growth, company growth of marketing and sales, just anything in, in, in related to the company. But I'll, you know, I, at least internally, I think about this a lot is, you know, you got to try it. You can't succeed if you haven't failed. Right. And, and I know that probably gets overused, but it's true. I mean, if you're, if you're not willing to take it, take failure as a, sometimes failure is, is a success, you know? And, um, and I think in marketing, it's even more obscure because uh, I say obscure, but it's easier to beat up, beat yourself up about it because it's, it's so, it's difficult to tie it to a direct number. Right. And so Mm -hmm. to your point, they could be along the buyer's journey and you could do some sort of communication or say something to them that they say, nope, we're not ready. And then you take that as a, like, oh, well, I just, that sale's over. And then they call you in 18 months and buy from you, right? I mean, so you got to, you know, be able to kind of dust it off and get back up, you know, on the horse or whatnot. I don't know if that's the right analogy, but, you know. No, um, for sure. Keep trying, right? Mm -hmm. And try different things. And that's what I'm always open to. What are the new things out there? And and how can we uh, utilize them to potentially... I say grow the company, but just keep our brand awareness out there.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're, you're even possibly considering a podcast, correct? Is that something you're still looking into?
1: Yeah. We're so, so I think uh you talk about it, internal messaging is, mm-hmm. is uh we, we do what I, I consider but we do very, very good consulting work, right. And implementation work and strategy work, all, all the, the, the types of things that we do to generate revenue. We do a very good job at, um, but internally and even externally, sometimes it's more difficult for us to get the message out there. And so we've worked with y'all's company uh, as, well, as well as internally to build, let's say, customer case studies. And, you know, the shift from reading text to, to visually saying something uh, has been changing the consumer world, you know, probably 15 years ago. And I think it's happening more and more in the business world. We're all trying to gravitate towards what that medium is going to be. But I like the attractiveness of the podcast we're doing today. I may not. I just like the, the how we're recording it and, and also taking note of it, right? So a lot of these tools now, it's not just a podcast, but it's also giving you a written record of it that you can refer back to and you can go back. So you may not have to listen to an hour long or 30 minute long Podcast to get clean information from it. You can kind of look at the bullet points and say, "Oh, this looks pretty interesting. Let me go to that section of it." And so internally, we can train people up with that. We can talk to people about you know things that are going on with uh, the um, company and and what we're doing internally as well as externally. But then they can see that and refer back to it as needed, um, along with training folks on on things. That's yeah. how I'm working at using that medium.
0: Yeah, that's. That's awesome. Information sharing and that knowledge transfer for you is huge in kind of keeping that level of quality for your consulting team. Yeah. Really routine. strong and robust. And I know just from talking to you in the past lessons learned on one project right uh have to transfer over to how the next project gets implemented so that you're constantly improving. Right. And right. kind of building more efficiencies in, right? So that's that's awesome that you're thinking about the podcast to to help in that right in that way. Okay, I've got some rapid-fire questions to end with. I don't know if you looked at these. Uh, Otherwise, you're just going to have to go with your gut.
1: I can go with a gut. Okay. Fair. Okay. Well, you told me not to repair, so I, I scanned it. You know, I, did, I did what you told me. I'm pretty good at that, <laughs> not preparing for anything. No, I'm kidding.
0: Okay, well, then the, I can't wait to hear your answers to these questions. What is your favorite trip that you've ever taken?
1: Uh, Probably to the Caymans with my wife, Steph, during our 10-year anniversary.
0: Awesome. Did you stay at um a
1: resort? Um yeah, like we an, stayed at the uh type? there's a Western property on Seven Mile Beach that we stayed at that um uh and there's something about the Cayman Water that just you know is is remarkable. It's very very peaceful and very quiet, which uh mm-hmm. made the perfect, you know, anniversary, but also beach vacation.
0: Yeah, that's that sounds awesome. Um okay, next question. Is there any musical artist? pastor present or group that you wish you would have seen in concert or could still see in concert? Oh, Led
1: Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good, yeah. okay. My husband would go with you. He, he would, he would have been there with you. That's I mean, favorite. I, yeah,
1: yeah. So much so that I, I looked at trying to buy tickets when they did their last concert, like, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. But I was able, fortunate enough to see Pink Floyd, but
0: Led oh, Zeppelin, I couldn't see Led that. Zeppelin,
1: but that was kind okay. of a, uh, 90s kid that loved classic rocks.
0: Awesome. How did you see Pink Floyd? Where did you see them?
1: Oh, at Rice Stadium, right? Rice. Okay. Uh, yeah, during the Pulse uh release of the Pulse album, where it had the blinking LED that would last forever mm-hmm. or forever. And um so I called my dad up on a payphone and I said, I need to buy tickets at Ticketmaster. So he's like, uh, for Pink Floyd. And he's like, okay, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, I don't, he wouldn't like whatever, but he's like, all right, well, don't spend too much, man. I called up and I got four seats, 11 rows back and they were like, Hey, we have these seats. I was like, done bottom. I don't, I don't even know how much they cost. Like, and by the back then they were like $60, like Taylor Swift is $300 on the upper deck, you know? And, um, oh, it was, it was was something else. Like it was, it rained on us. There were laser lights. It was, it was pretty cool. Anyway. Oh, that sounds
0: really cool. No, I, I'm. Also a classic rock fan so oh, yeah. i'm I'm jealous um what is the number one book that you constantly find yourself recommending to people
1: I'm horrible at book book titles i'm I'm absolutely horrible with them, but I love reading um
0: is it a business book or personal enjoyment type book would you say
1: yeah. so this isn't a business book but i'll um uh, so uh so one of my uh, books, it just became a movie, I believe, but it was called Empire of the Summer Moon. Um, okay. And um, since I grew up in Texas, um, it's about, you know, the kind of the, the, um, the settlers moving west and the the battles with the Indians and, and our Native Americans. And um, it's just, uh, it just reads, um, it tells you a great piece of history and it kind of feels like you're there, you know? That sounds really good. Is how how old is that book? Is it? Um, It was. I never heard of that. Looks like it was well. This I don't. This book was probably uh, create or came out in 2011, but it doesn't tell me this. This paperback came out in 2011, but I don't know if that was when it originally came out. Um, But they did a movie. Well, they did a a movie about. It's not Empire of the Summer Moon, but it's. about the osage indians and the creation of the fbi which is the next book after that and so this is a precursor to that and um um just it, it's uh i don't know it just it's kind of like um the tv show uh, not 1920 not yellowstone but the 1880
0: 18
1: oh 1883? Mm-hmm.
0: 1883 yeah, exactly. 1883
1: yeah i watch all those yeah so mm-hmm. how i mean i was one of my I mean, I, I watched that series and I was, it just, uh, I mean, we're only, a, a, you know, four generations out of it being a very difficult landscape in the, in, in the United States or five generations out, you know, and it mm-hmm. um, kind of crazy how close that that is, you know?
0: Yeah, no, you're right. I think it's really, we, as Americans, especially we have like high expectations for how everything functions and
1: works. And so right. it's
0: pretty easy to lose sight of how young we really are as a
1: developed country. Um, uh, real quick, there's, there's, uh, sorry, this is, I'm breaking I, if I, I don't know if I need to say that or they can just cut it out, but, um, wait one second. Do you have a, do I have time to, to look this up real quick?
0: Yeah. I only have one more question after this.
1: Oh, is this that's all right. Be your favorite Wait, well, I'm gonna look it two? up. I can't find it, but it's about okay. it's like five short essays on financial crisis. That's that's great and very relevant. So that's why I like telling people about it. But um, <laughs> sorry, we we can cut that piece out. But okay, okay. last question.
0: Okay, last question. Um, what is the best job you've ever had?
1: Well, I hope to say working for my own company. Uh, you know, I was a lifeguard at Waterworld if anybody ever even knows what water world was, but it was the wow. water park for Astroworld. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I got to actually, I was, I have like three confirmed saves there. So that was, I tell my kids about that. And like, I can't believe they even let you, uh, you know, be a lifeguard or save people's lives. So, um, wow. that was, um, uh, it was a fun job. Um, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy working for myself as well and, and building up hollow Parker. So that's been, um, uh, a great journey as well I've just always loved being a consultant you know and 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 so it's not really I guess per se a, a particular place I've been but it's the type of work I've been doing and I've been doing this since I was 19 20 years old and um, like I said i used to run network cable or you know install servers or um, install other pieces of software and it's just something I have a true passion for and it's something I talk to my kids that are 17 and 13 now and you know, try to get them to kind of realize or not realize, but try to figure out what maybe they're, they're passionate about, because I feel like if you, you know, that old saying, like, if you're passionate about something, it doesn't seem to be like, it doesn't seem to be work. You know, there's days that are hard, but it's something I would never give up, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's invaluable (laughs) when you can figure that out. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for joining us today, Philip. It's been great as always to talk to you and catch up. I appreciate your generosity with everything you shared. Um, You know, my goal is that it could help other people who are kind of facing the same type of challenges with marketing that you've gone through. So thanks again. Thanks for joining and for being generous with your time.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Thanks for listening. Please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or visit our website at marketingrefresh.com.